Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Hey, good to see everyone today. Can everyone here at our Lakeland campus give it up for everyone at our Highland Colony campus across town? We're so excited for you guys. Today, our Highland Colony service is going to three services. They have 8.30, 10, and 11.30, so it's a big accomplishment for that campus. We're super excited for each and every one of you guys. And can all of us at both of our physical campuses give it up for everyone who is watching online around the world today? We're so glad you can see us, and hopefully sometime soon we'll get a chance to see you. I want to invite everyone at all of our campuses to... Open up your Bibles with me today. We're going to look at the book of Philippians. If you didn't bring your Bible, no worries. Uh, They'll have it up on the screens as well. We're going to Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse number 20 today. Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 20. Uh, I want to say a big thank you to each and every one of our guests here today. Can we give it up for our guests at all of our locations? We're just... So honored to have you here with us. You don't have to believe like us to belong with us. Uh, We are a church filled with diversity of age and race and styles and all of those types of things, and we wouldn't have it any other way. So no matter who you are, what you come from, or what past you may have left behind you, uh, there's someone in this room who can relate to you and can testify to the fact that Jesus Christ changed their lives. And today, we want to celebrate that victory. And today, specifically, we want to celebrate the victory that Jesus has won for us over death. Uh, Now, I'm sure many of you in this room have had loved ones who have what we would call passed away. Uh, You may know it as death. My father passed away when I was 17 years old. My grandmother, who is 88 years old, has seen her husband and both of her two sons pass away. During this process, my family went through a lot of grief um, and a lot of heartache, as I'm sure if you've had someone close to you pass away, you have experienced that. Uh, Or maybe you've even gone through like a miscarriage or something of that nature. Uh, My mother had two miscarriages, one before my sister and one before me. And so all of us are familiar with death, and we know that if Jesus tarries his coming, all of us will die. But the New Testament teaches something very interesting. It teaches that death does not have to have a sting to it, that we don't have to sorrow like those in the world who have no hope. Because Jesus not only won a victory for us here in this life, Jesus also won a victory for us in the next. And today, what I want to talk to you about is heaven. In the book of Philippians, Paul wrote this in Philippians chapter 1, in verse number 20. He said, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I will be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body. Notice that term, in my body. Whether it be by life or even by death, he's saying Christ will be magnified. 
Verse 21, for to me to live is Christ, but this is important, to die is gain. Death is not loss. Here, the Christian perspective is death is to gain something. He keeps going here in verse 22, but if I live in the flesh, notice that terminology, if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my own labor, yet what shall I choose if I want not, for I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart, now notice that word, a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. To abide in the flesh or to depart the flesh to be with Christ. Paul, the guy who wrote this, had been to heaven. He had seen the life after this one. His body was caught up to the third heavens and he wrote about it. And he's saying, when I see heaven, I see something that is far better than earth. In fact, he said, it is so much better than earth, I don't want to be here. He said, but I feel this tension in my body. I'm in a strait betwixt two. Because I have a desire to depart. I have a desire to leave this body. I have a desire to leave this, this, this earth. I have a, a desire to leave this dwelling and to be with Christ in heaven because there it's not just better, it's far better. When, when Paul talked about death, he talked about departing. Somebody says, well, we lost them. That is not accurate terminology. Uh, anyone who died or who has died, that is not the end of them. When you die, it's not the end of you. You depart. Uh, me and my wife, uh, when we go through airports, uh, we travel a good bit. Uh, for missions trips and to teach and preach and all those kinds of things. And oftentimes to pass time in the airport, we'll walk through the terminals and look at all the departures. And you can see all the different cities, and some are going to Wichita, and others are going to New York. And if you walk the international terminal, it might be to Tel Aviv or Madrid or whatever it may be. And I'll make my wife. Uh, at this time, she's a little irritated with me because I always pick flights with a little bit longer uh, wait time. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, to pass the time, I, I'm conservative by nature. Uh, I try not to put myself in, in stressful moments. Uh, and so we'll We'll walk the terminal, I'll be like, babe. And she'll be like, what? I'm like, babe, if you had to go anywhere, where would you go? You can only pick one. And we'll walk the whole terminal, and you can pick the departure and to see which one you'd like to go to. And so we'll play this game. Because we know when we get on that flight, it's not the end of us. We are departing one place, and we are arriving at another place. Paul would talk about this a good bit. In 2 Timothy, he said this, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4 and verse number 6, he said, for I am now ready, he's talking to a, a son in the faith, a young man who he loves, and he says, I'm ready. I'm ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. He's not talking about catching a flight, he's talking about dying. 
He says, I'm ready to die. The time of my departure, not end. Departure is at hand. Verse 7, he says this, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Death is a departure. It's not the end of you. If you have a loved one who has died, it's not the end of them. I hear even Christians talk about, I just wish I could have one more moment with mama. You're not going to have one more moment with mama. You're going to have an eternity with mama. Mama didn't leave somewhere where you can't ever find her again. How many of you know mama's not lost? If mama's a believer in Jesus, mama wouldn't come back if she could. Uh, mama is in a place that is far better, and you're going to have a lifetime with her. Well, somebody says, are you sad that your father passed away? Well, I, I know he's not over. When Jesus died, he didn't say, I am finished. Before he gave up the ghost, he didn't say, I am finished. What did he say? It is finished. Because you can run your race and you can finish your course and you can uh, finish whatever it is, but when you die, you are not finished. Jesus wasn't finished and you aren't finished. It can be done, but you will live forever. The key is, is when you die, where did you depart to? When, when Paul talks about living this life, he talks about the house, or talks about our body like it's a house. Notice some of the terminology here in the book of Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says this. They'll put it up on the screens in verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house, here when he talks about a body, he is talking about it being an earthly house, that this is what you're living in, that this is not you. What you see today is not you. There's a you in you. This is my house. I'm looking at you out of two windows we call eyes. And the same is true with you. This is the physical house you dwell in. And Paul says about this, about death, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, he talks about the body decaying. How many of you know, the older we get, our bodies begin to kind of decay. And I thank God that God can renew our youth like the eagles. Uh, but the older we get, the more we see from the, the curse that's in this world that it begins to to uh, decay, it begins to dissolve, it begins to be less than what it was before. He says we have a house, an earthly house, that is dissolving, but we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Notice what he says in verse 6, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 6, therefore we are always confident knowing this, that while we are at home, notice, in the body, we are absent from the Lord. He, he talks about our body like it's not us. It's just simply the house we're living in. Uh, some of you, if you've ever moved out of a house, when you were taking the life out of the house, the pictures off the wall, the furniture out of the living rooms, you'll walk in and be like, it's so cold. And, and not talking about temperature, but it's like it doesn't feel like a, a home anymore. It just feels like a house. And Paul would say, exactly. But you move into a house and you begin to add life there. You begin to live in it. That house becomes a home due to the life that is in it. And Paul says, so it is with you. That this is not you. 
this is the house you live in. When God created man, uh, he formed a, a body for man to live in out of the dust of the ground. It'd be like this glove. It has no life in it. And that body just laid there until God breathed on it. And what, when God breathed the breath of life, that body took on movement and, and gained, we would say it this way, expression. That now it looks like the glove is alive, but the glove is not alive. The glove is just the body uh, or, or just the, the house, if you will, that the life lives in. But if you take the life out of that glove, it remains just an object, just a house made with hands that something living can come into. He says, so it is with, with life and death. That in life at conception, there are arrivals. Did you know every time uh, conception happens, there is an arrival? Something came from heaven to earth. Uh, I love this terminology. In the book of John, it says this. John chapter 1 and verse number 6. They'll put it up on the screens. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Talking about John the Baptist. There was a man. Notice that this is awesome. Sent from God. Did you know, uh, you may have been unplanned by a person, but you were not unplanned by God. In fact, God said, I sent you here. Did you know that the biggest part of your dissatisfaction on the earth is you don't know what for? Paul said, I've run my race. Jesus said, it is finished. And they said, as soon as we can leave, we're out of here. Why? Because when I leave this earthly body, I'm not done. I'm departing. I'm going somewhere else. I just, I have that so big in my heart. They're not over. They departed. Well, where'd they go? Well, it depends. Go over the book of Luke. We're here in, in Philippians. Go over the book of Luke. We're going to see... Three individuals, all on the brink of death in Luke chapter 23. We'll look here in verse 39. All, all three of these individuals are on the cross, about to die, and what we would say is about to depart. And watch how this plays out, Luke 23 and verse number 39. And one of the, the malefactors, both of these individuals who are next to Jesus, one on this side and one on the other, had completely messed up their life. You ever messed up your life, messed up a marriage, messed up a relationship with somebody, messed up your finances? How many of you know Jesus can put you back together? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Uh, you can be a thief and a murderer. Now get that, a murderer right next to Jesus. The only reason why you're turning to Jesus is because you know you're about to die and find mercy. We'll be shocked who's in heaven. Some of you, you, you think you might not have relatives there. You don't know what happened in that final moment. Well, somebody said they lived bad all their life. Living bad won't take you to hell. Being perfect won't get you to heaven. I heard a preacher one time, he was in an elevator and they knew they were a preacher. They said, preacher, I smoke. 
They said, well, I go to hell for smoking? He said, no, you won't go to hell for smoking. You may smell like hell, but you... you... <laughs> That's a true story. You may smell like hell, but smoking won't send you to hell. Murder won't send you to hell. Paul was a murderer, wrote three-fourths of the New Testament. David was a murderer and an adulterer. Think about that. You're not too far gone. You should say that right now. It's okay to talk in this church. You're fine to talk in the... As long as it's about the message or to the preacher. It's okay to talk in this church. Uh, Why don't you just say this when they say, I'm not too far gone. Amen. If you still have breath in your lungs, right up to the final breath, you're not too far gone. Two thieves and murderers, right next to the Lord Jesus. In verse uh, 40, uh, well, let's start in verse 39. And one of the malefactors which were, were hanging next to Jesus mocked him, railed on him, saying, if you're the Christ, save us and yourself. The other answered, rebuked him, saying, Don't you fear God, seeing that thou art in the same condemnation? And we did this because we're in this situation because it's just. We deserve it. For we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing wrong. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, that one word changed everything. Jesus is Lord. That one word changed everything. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, Today you will be with me in paradise. I'll take paradise. Oh, paradise. This day, he said, You, who's you? A broken thief and murderer who called on the name of the Lord Jesus right before he's about to breathe his final breath. Jesus' mercy comes rushing in. Grace comes rushing in. Love comes rushing in and redeems what this man messes up. How many of you know Jesus can redeem what you mess up? That Jesus is a master carpenter. And even if you break it, God can put it back together. This man had broken a life. Jesus rebuilt it, and then he departed. He didn't die. He departed. Where'd he go? Paradise. What is heaven? What is heaven? It's so funny to me how so many Christians fear death, mourn over death. While the New Testament is clear, we don't sorrow like those who have no hope. Well, what's our hope? Jesus saved us. Saved from what? I've been saved by Je- from what? To what? Paradise. I've been saved to paradise. Uh, people, we don't understand heaven. Uh, Paul said it's far better. He said the only reason I'm staying here in the earth is because of you. You need me here. But he said if it was, if it was left up to me, I'd depart and be with Christ. He, he, he wrote to his son Timothy, who he loved. He said, I am ready to be offered. I am ready to be poured out. The time of my departure is at hand. Why? Heaven is far better. Heaven is earth without the disappointment. I'm going to say that again. What is heaven? Heaven is earth without the disappointment. Years ago, I read this book uh, by this lady who went to heaven. In the 1800s, 
She had come down with this illness and died, and she saw herself depart her body. Looked down in the room and saw her husband weeping. She came back and told him exactly what they said, exactly where they were. She saw her son rush into the room and weep because he, he couldn't be with there right when she died. She came back and told him all these things. It blew their mind. It would any of us. And she went to heaven. And in heaven she saw all these things and she came back. And when she came back, she was fully healed. Told them what happened in the room. And they said, what, what is heaven like? And she said, it's earth without the disappointment. <laughs> this earth was made in the likeness of heaven. And even in its fallen state, I mean, this world is filled with violence, filled with sin, filled with all kinds of racism and mess. I mean, just watch the news and you'll see the curse that this world is under. This, it's under a curse. That's why it'll pass away. The, the earth literally cries out for the return of Jesus. But even in its cursed state, don't you find things in this world that you just make you come alive? I mean, just fill you up with love. Have you ever had a moment maybe sitting on a beach somewhere? Or maybe sitting at a family, family dinner table, uh, Thanksgiving, and it was just a moment of perfection. And you, you said these words, this is just heavenly. This is just heavenly. You didn't know how right you were. Heaven is not just like a place where all you're going to be doing for the rest of your life is hearing a cute baby play a harp. That's not heaven. That may be on the cards and all those things. Heaven is earth without the disappointment. It's a swim and you never shrivel or drown. Even if you don't know how to swim, you'll swim in the next life. It's the climb up the mountain without ever getting tired or exhausted. It's the run through the forest where you, you never step on a thorn. What's heaven? It's a conversation with a loved one that never ends. What's heaven? It's a reuniting of people who have gone before us. What's heaven? It's pure joy. It's sitting in a living room prepared for you by a master who loves you with a son and a daughter talking and laughing. It's, it's the moments you've had in your homes that you never wanted to end. In heaven, they never do. It's the walking on a beach with a father. It's going into a church service where, where you feel the presence of God. Where it's just so thick, it's like you're swimming in presence. That's heaven all the time. See, in the New Testament, it says, and what you, what, whatsoever you do, in word or in deed, do it all for the glory of God. In heaven, that's what it is. It, it, it's not just one continuous church service, but it is one continuous service. There are church services where you worship and all these other things, but then there's, there is a walk uh, by a stream. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. Jesus is telling them he's about to depart, and they start crying. They don't want him to. That's, that's, that's all of us when loved ones die, even Christians. We, we'll mourn and we'll grieve because we're selfish by nature. We want them there for us. We want them there for us. But they don't want to go. They are. They don't want to stay. 
Anybody who's seen heaven knows the other side is far better. They wouldn't come back if they could. My father died. I had a, a missionary friend of mine tell me years ago he went to, to go to the, the, the graveside and like to the, the funeral home to, to raise him from the dead. Went to the, the body and looked at the body and said, you get back in this body. Death's a departure. You get back in this body. I need you. Your wife needs you. Your children need you. This city needs you. Get back in this body. He did that for a number of, of minutes. And he said, in the room, heaven opened up. And a window of heaven opened. He saw my father sitting in heaven laughing. And he said, you stop that laughing and you come get back in this body. My father just stayed there laughing. He said, you stop that. I need you. Your wife needs you. You're ch see, selfish. And then he saw the Lord Jesus come stand beside my father. And the Lord Jesus said, it'll be better this way and shut the window. He didn't tell me that till years later, years after I was a full grown man and it turned out I was okay. He said, I was afraid of what you would have done if I would have told you that at the funeral. I said, you should have been. I probably would have punched you. <laughs> That's the truth. Uh, because of selfishness. They came to David, his son passed away. And when his son was, was dying, David was mourning. When the son died, they knew David would lose it. I mean, just slap, lose it. If he cried like that, they reasoned, while he was still alive but dying, how will he react when he left? And they're so nervous. They tell David his son died. Well, no, they didn't even tell him. The Bible says that David saw their change of behavior and he could read by their body language. They're nervous. And so he knew his son died. He came out rejoicing. It blew their mind. And like when he, when he was dying and still here, you were mourning. But now that he's left, you're rejoicing? This was David's response. He will not come to me but I will go to him. Death is a departure. Well, where, where do you depart? If you're a believer in Jesus, paradise. See, it's not, we have this fear of death and this, this, we're scared of it. We're scared of death. The whole world is scared of death. The past year and a half, we have a whole world that is scared of death. For, for the New Testament believer, there is no sting in death. To be with Christ is far better. Heaven is like earth without the disappointment. And it is forever paradise. When John was caught up to heaven, it was amazing. In the book of Revelations, you see John, the revelator, uh, have the Lord Jesus come and says, come up hither, come up to the throne of grace. And he left his body and came up hither to the throne of grace and was there in heaven. The book of Revelations talks about what he saw. I'll just show you a list of some of the things he saw in heaven. You'll see it resembles something. Uh, mountains, lakes, city, forests, fruit, worship, mansions, manners, purpose, serving, jobs, rewards, people from every nation, friends, family. He saw all these things. 
Uh, he saw people working in heaven, serving in heaven. God never made anything without a purpose. When, when you get to every, every flower, every bee, every animal, every person has a purpose. Every angel God made has a purpose. Some are warrior angels and messenger angels and worshiping angels. When you get to heaven, you don't lose purpose. You gain it. You'll have a job in heaven that brings fulfillment. Before the fall of man, Adam was not just enjoying a garden. He had a purpose in the garden. You'll have a purpose in heaven. Uh, you'll have, I heard a neurosurgeon went to heaven and, and he came back, came out of this coma. And when he came back, he said, I saw my, 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 my place in heaven. He called it an estate. He's like, I had land. He said, I had a house that backed up to a lake and behind the lake was a mountain. And he saw the Lord Jesus and he fell at his feet. He said, you, you made this for me. And he said, I knew what you would like. And the Lord Jesus fills that home, fills that presence. Everything's done to the glory of his name. Everything honors him. It's, it's a place of pure joy. It's, uh, there's a city in heaven. Have you ever driven by like a beautiful city? There's a city in heaven. There's lakes and rivers and forests. People from every nation, friends and family. You'll, you'll have feeling of like immense joy in heaven, immense warmth in heaven. When, when Paul was called up to the third heaven, he, he said this, he said, whether in the body or out of the body, he said, I can't tell. Meaning, it doesn't feel that different than being even in the body. The same feeling you get in the body is the same feeling you get out of the body. It's that, that much different. Uh, in the book of Luke, we see that there was, Jesus told a story about a rich man who passed and departed and did not go to heaven. And a beggar who sat at his gate, who died, departed, and went to paradise. When the rich man who was not in heaven saw the, the beggar who sat outside of his gate in heaven, he recognized him. In heaven, you'll recognize me. I'll have hair, but you'll recognize me. <laughs> who is that man? I think that's Pastor Joel. You'll recognize each other. Lazarus looked up and could see him. Lazarus also where he was didn't lose feeling. That's not the end. It's a departure. And he was feeling so much that he asked the, the beggar in heaven, if you could just take one drop of water and put it on my tongue. He knew who he was in heaven. You'll, you'll know all your family in heaven. You'll rejoice. You'll, you'll fellowship for the rest of eternity. It's not one more moment with mama. It's an eternity with mama. I'll have two uh, siblings in heaven I've never met. That's amazing. For the rest of eternity, I'll know them, and they'll know me. And we'll do life together, serving the Lord in paradise. That sounds like a win. This man, who was also not in heaven, could see his brothers here on earth. The veil between earth and the next life is thinner than you know. 
Paul says, even in heaven, in the book of Hebrews, that you're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses in heaven. That since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses in heaven, let us run the race that is set before us. Did you know those on the other side of this life can see you in this life? That my Father can see me now? Surrounded by witnesses. A witness can't testify or talk about something they haven't seen, something they haven't heard. Well, in heaven, can they see uh, like my sin and my mistakes? No, because in heaven, God wipes away every tear from our eyes. There is no fear. There is no burden. There is no shame. There is no grief. Every tear is wiped away. But what they can see is you running your race. They can see you finishing the assignment God sent you here for. They are cheering you on. And Paul, when he writes, says, run like they are. When the other man who did not go to heaven in Luke chapter 16 saw his brother still on the earth because they can witness us from the next life in this one. When he witnesses his brothers and his family who is still on earth, he comes to the Lord Jesus. He asked him, can you send Lazarus back? Can you send him back to the earth to tell him death is not the end? Death is a departure. And if he just came back and they knew he came back and he could tell them that death is not the end, that death is a departure, then maybe they could go to paradise. Send them back. And the Lord responded, there are people on earth who are preaching about it. Let them hear them. But so oftentimes we don't preach about it. We don't preach about that this is not all there is. This is not the end. This life, it's just the beginning. And I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how much shame you have. I don't care how broken you are. I don't care how messed up you are. I don't care how sinful you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you can be saved, you can be redeemed, and you can have a future in heaven, in paradise. And I have it in my heart so big, even this morning, that for so many of you, you made a decision. Sitting there at Highland Colony, sitting here at Lakeland, sitting there at home, you made a decision for Jesus, and you're on your way to heaven. But you have not been running your race. You have not been accomplishing the thing that you've been sent here for. And the Lord Jesus today wants to just ask you to come back to him because your life, when it is finished, and when you understand what it's sent for, it'll lead to others going to heaven. It'll lead to someone else making a decision for heaven. It'll change a lineage that comes after you. You living for Jesus, it'll change the sons and the daughters who are watching you and their sons and daughters and their sons and daughters. My father was on his way to another place, drug, drug addicted. Living like there was no life after next. Living like there was no God, but had a praying mama. That praying mama prayed him all the way, not just into heaven, but prayed him all the way into the ministry. Lived a life before him that changed lineages. Now every night, 
every single night her great grandbabies go to bed praying to a God watching a living breathing reality come because one woman made a decision to live for Jesus one woman made a decision to take a stand for Jesus and it not only changed things that happen in this life it has changed things that have happened in the next one and some of you you've been acting like you don't even know Jesus and God is saying you know what all of heaven is watching and if you make a decision for Jesus today it'll not only bring rejoicing in heaven it'll change someone's eternity for life you don't know who's watching you There is a heaven. Why don't you say this with me in closing at both campuses? Why don't you say this with me? Say, heaven is real. Say this with me. Say, paradise. It's real. You got a great cloud of witnesses cheering you on. Run your race. Finish your course. Don't you quit now. You fall and get back up. You fall and get back up. You fall and get back up. You made a mistake. A just man is not just because he didn't sin. A just man is just because he gets back up. Don't you quit running. Don't you quit walking. If you got a limp, limp, baby, all the way to the finish line. But don't you dare quit. You got a race to run. You have a course to finish. And if they could tell you to do one thing, it would be live for Jesus. You keep running. You keep running. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask our campus pastor at Highland Colony to come up to the stage. He'll close out service there here at this campus. Before we sing about heaven, I want to give you an invitation to come with us. And if you're here today at this campus and you say, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to make Jesus the king of my heart. I want to run my race today. Maybe it's to make a decision for Jesus for the very first time. Maybe it's to make a decision for Jesus uh, for a, a second or, or 52nd time. But you're here today and you say, Pastor Joel, I'm ready to get over my sin. I'm ready to get over my shame. I'm ready to get over my heartache. I'm ready to run for Jesus. I'm ready to run with Jesus. I'm ready to run my race. I'm ready to finish my course. I may have to get up with a limp, but I believe Jesus can heal me. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Joel, that's me. All of heaven is watching, not just the Lord. All of heaven is watching. Some of you got mamas up there. Some of you got daddies up there. Some of you got friends up there. Some of you have children up there. They're watching you. Surrounded by, surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And today you say, Pastor Joel, I want to run my race. I want to course correct my life. I need to get back on track. Oh, they're going to cheer for you today. We're going to cheer for you, but they're going to cheer for you. And if that's you with heads bowed, eyes closed, if that's you, would you just lift your hand and surrender all over this room? Hands going up, hands going up, hands going up, hands going up. Amazing. Hands going up. Hands going up in the balcony, hands going up in the floor, hands going up in the back, hands going up in the front. Amazing, amazing, amazing. This is all I'm going to ask you to do. This is all I'm going to ask you to do. But if you mean business before God, just lift up a hand. Amen, 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 amen. Let's pray today. Everybody in this room, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, you are my Lord. Death has lost its sting. I know from here on out. 
I'll be with you in this life and I'll go to paradise in the next one. I thank you, Father. Jesus is my Lord. My sins are washed away. And I thank you, Father. My best days are starting right now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church, stand to your feet all over this place.